Wait, hold on. This is live from the table recorded at the world famous comedy cellar coming at you on Sirius XM 99 raw dog and on the laugh button podcast network. We have with us Perry Alashenbrand coming with us via zoom from Tel Aviv, Israel or somewhere thereabout. I'm not sure if it's Tel Correct. Aviv or, 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 or Bat Yam or some other place in that vicinity, but welcome uh, Perry L uh, via zoom. Thank you. Uh, Gnome is not here. Why? He left us a rather ambiguous message saying something came up. (laughs) He saw the guest. Um, Now, for Gnome to miss a podcast, that something need not be of great significance. Well, Uh, if he misses. He's not in town, correct? So he would have been zooming in. Uh, is he still in Maine? He wasn't here uh, on last night for music night, or rather on, on, on Monday night for music night. I thought he was back by now. But in any case, if Alan Dershowitz were here, my suspicion is that he would have <laughs> made it. But I can't say that for certain. Uh, the, he may be uh, something important might have come up. We have with us also one just doesn't know with him. We also have with us comedy seller regular. He's an actor and a podcaster and a comedian. Mike Cannon is his name. Thanks for having me. Father, above all, and, father and well, husband. Okay, okay, uh, we can get into that uh, if you wish. Uh, and he's a relatively young guy in his uh, in his early thirties or so, um, which, by comedian standards, to have a kid is, I think, pretty young. Anyway, he has he's 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 also not only does he have uh, kids, but he also has recently given birth to a uh, special a comedy special called Mike's. Huge mistake. It's a crowd work special. That's right. Yeah. Out August 17th on my YouTube, youtube.com slash Mike Cannon comedy. Crowd work, of course, is a term we use in the comedy business, meaning you talk to the crowd. That's probably evident, but I'm not sure what's evident and what's not anymore, because I've been doing this so long that I don't know. Like when years ago, somebody said to me, I got to do a spot and I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And spot is the term that we use for. Uh, a set on stage. Yeah. And I didn't know what set meant either, by the way, at that time. <laughs> so I try to keep in mind that people might not know the terms that we use. But crowd work is I, fairly self-explanatory. You talk to the crowd. Yeah. It, I, it, on an edible. So there's a, you know, crowd work specials. I think everybody knows what it is now because it's also the popular popularized form of posting stand up now on right. social media. It's like it doesn't burn material. People like it. It's spur of the moment. It looks like a magic trick. So I think a lot of people are kind of familiar with that. But yeah, I uh, I took some edibles to set the, the special apart from all the other ones being released, uh, about 150 milligrams, and then uh, performed one hour of uh, of crowd work. No jokes, just going one hour you, all in one shot or was it edited together? All in it? one shot. So straight up the same show, one show, one shot, 150 millis. But that is an insane amount is that marijuana? For some people, it is. And and for me, it is like that's a lot for me. But other people are like, you're you're a pussy. Well, I don't know what that <laughs> with a hundred and whatever that milligrammage that you stated. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. But if Periel says it's a lot, then I guess it's a lot. No, no, no. Uh, it's not just like a lot. Like 20 milligram edibles is like will fuck you up like 150 milligrams. Well, but Mike is, is obviously an experienced marijuana sure. user. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So that makes a difference. Um, well, <laughs> and the fact that he was able to get up and do an hour of stand up says to me that it wasn't a crippling amount of 
of of marijuana. No, but I think I think I'm always wondering because it it also like 150 is kind of a different measure. Well, with, have you watched the special? It could have been, oh, yeah. been drooling for an hour and you didn't know. <laughs> I, was thinking, I bought a beanbag chair just for the special, just in case I wanted to lay down and like relax. And where did you do it show. here at the comedy? Cell? No, I did it at a New York comedy club on 24th Street. Okay. It's very small, very compact. It felt like a sleepover. You know, it was it was more like a more like a fun hang where everybody was also high, which was fun. No, does not mind, by the way, not that you are concerned about this necessarily, but promoting other clubs. No, I'm so confident in the dominance of the comedy seller that you are free to to promote and 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 talk <laughs> up another comedy. Totally club. different part of town too. They they respect the comedy. But style. even if it weren't, the comedy seller <laughs> it is so dominant. Yeah, that no, I'm really at this point is not too terribly concerned. It's a juggernaut. It is a juggernaut. But which is as a comic, and I've said this before. Sometimes we like to perform at other clubs. We feel less pressure. I, I think, that's yeah, like, you know, yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, here you really want to like you want to show out because there's so many great comics. The shows are always packed. The audiences are like as as big of comedy fans as I think you get in the city, because a lot of them are like tourist destinations. People want to try on comedy for the first time. Mm-hmm. They're in New York. They feel like it's something to do. That's like geographically significant to the city. So in other clubs, it can get kind of muddled with people that have never experience comedy before and so it's a it's a terrible experience but here it's i mean everybody's here on purpose what what uh, where can we see the uh mike's huge mistake so yeah that's at uh youtube.com slash mike cannon comedy also i released an hour special earlier this year in may called mike uh white privilege homeless and that's uh, a full hour of curated material that i was uh why do you call it white privilege homeless because it uh, it's the tag of a joke that I really like. And it's also the uh, it defined me for about 14 months. My family and I, we we moved out of the city during the pandemic and we lived at my in-laws like giant ass house right outside of the city. And so we were basically homeless, but in a very well, well homeless way. in the best possible way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, However, I did take quite an ear beating on like QAnon stuff. So, you know, <laughs> everything, everything kind of comes with its benefits and, and cons, I suppose. That that it does. Um, <laughs> you don't so have anybody this, in your life like that. Nobody just absolutely unloads their conspiracies all over. your um, place? No, not really. I, if yeah. they do. I mean, I have people uh, that are, um, you know, anti-vax or, or, or global warming skeptics, not full on QAnon people. No, yeah. And I usually tell them, well, we can't talk about this. Right. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll talk about anything else, but we're not going to talk about this. I think I have. I, I mean, I make just so much eye contact with people that. Anybody that like latches on is immediately in like they just see that they have a target acquired. And I hosted a conspiracy theory podcast for three years. So I'm into like I'm into it. I like it. I like the story and stuff like that. Obviously, it's changed over time, but I I no longer want to participate in the conversation. But people find me. They just know this hour special. I mean, you know, it's hard over a, over an entire hour to do crowd work and. I had assumed when you told me you did a crowd work special that it was it was edited from various. But you said you did it all in one shot. One so shot. certainly the muse is not going to be there for an hour. I mean, there's going to be moments where it's like or maybe not. Maybe you're you're on fire the whole hour. Here's the thing. So I I did not plan to do an hour. I went in there just like maybe this will be a 20 minute thing. This will be a fun, like kind of short video, short special easily digestible i'll be on an edible if it goes well great if i make a fool out of myself that's also kind of comedy so why not put it out and then it was on 420 i promoted it so it was my listeners and and followers and stuff that showed up 
they were also on edibles and it was just a like really nice symbiotic wave that we rode together. So there are moments for sure where I hiccup and, and nearly fold in on myself and, and die. But there for the most part, it's like a pretty, pretty nice wave. Now, when you do crowd work, do you do the standard where you're from? I'm from, you know, say Louisville. Oh, what do you do in Louisville? Sure. Uh, and you keep asking questions until something hits you. Yeah, I think I mean, that's obviously what you that's the go to. That's like the baseline of everything. But in this in particular, and I think that's what edibles helped make it is that we got into some pretty weird areas pretty quickly. I mean, I found out, you know, if, if people were like pro or anti dolphin, you know, I don't know. We're just discussing the fabric of reality. Now, I know that America's <laughs> very divided. I didn't know that dolphins were controversial. That's right. But we had a woman scream out. She's very anti dolphin. She would not pay any money to ride them at a resort. She thinks that's offensive. And well, she might be anti dolphins being used for entertainment. You'd think. But she said she's anti well, she just the animal like dolphin. dolphins. Well, you yeah. know, people have said they they rape. Is that that's right. I don't know if this is true. They also take psychedelics or they have, but not, not they didn't choose to. But uh, scientists were testing acid or LSD on dolphins since they're the closest brain to us. Hmm. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, since Noam's not here, we would have discussed Trump's, um, you know, whatever's going on with him. They they raided Mar-a-Lago. But I, right. I know so little about that. And Noam's not here. So I guess we'll 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 uh, pass on that. But I do want to you don't want to just speculate. I really have no idea what's going on. I, I just I just assume Noam was going to be here and that he would take us through it step by sure. step so that because I you know, that's how I get a lot of my news from Noam. Um, I just know that they 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 raided his did Mar-a-Lago. They said he took documents from the White House, which he's not authorized to do. And um well, I guess they're off. And I don't know much beyond that. Them, right. Well, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it, there's just some law where you certain things you can't take out of the way. I mean, you probably take pens and towels, but <laughs> but, but not, but not classified do- documents. Yeah, not that. <laughs> so um, I don't know. And that's Perry. Now, Perry has been in Israel, so she's a little out of the loop. Are they still shooting over there, Perry? Um, no, there's a ceasefire. Thank God. They called a ceasefire about 24 hours ago. So, it and you were stopped. there during during the whole thing, though. Yes, I was. And one might one might conjure up some sort of theory as to why the fighting started just as Periel was arriving. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we'll leave that for 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 uh, listeners to speculate. But you were there during the thick of the uh, the yeah. rocket exchanges. Correct. I was actually um, about to do a spot at a comedy club in Tel Aviv, and I was 10 minutes away from the club when, like, we got a bunch of phone calls because the alarms go off when missiles are coming toward the respective city. So I actually turned the car around and drove back to where I like where I'm staying. Do you have like a bomb shelter there? There are <laughs> bomb shelters in every, every, like every house has a bomb shelter here. Every restaurant, every store, every building has a bomb shelter. And so when you hear the alarm, you're supposed to have, depending on where you are, if you're down South, closer to Gaza, um, you could have like five seconds. I mean, they were sleeping in the bomb shelters there for days. Um, I'm a little bit further north. Tel Aviv is further north. So 
we had like a minute and a half to get into the bomb shelters once the missiles are coming. Um, so you, was, missed, you missed your show. I missed the, Most importantly, I didn't do my spot. Um, <laughs> they gave you but, the light early. Yeah. I mean, it was terrifying. Although, I'll, I mean, I'll have a, I'm doing the show on Friday, so that'll be fun again. Although the guy who does it, who was nice enough to invite me, told me that I should come anyway because it's just a fact of life here. And if everybody turned around and went home, nobody would ever do anything. Well, the good the good news is, is if, I mean, I don't know if it's good news, but I mean, you could get some interesting uh, social media posts out of it. I mean, if, if a bomb goes off and you're on stage and... and well, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, it's all, about, it's all about the clicks. Yeah, you just got to right, get a caption. Right. And I mean, somebody... it's insane. It's really insane. It's like, it's true, though, because people are just like continuing to eat their falafel. I was like under the table, just like terrified. There's a robust English speaking comedy scene in Tel Aviv. Well, you would know better than I would. You were just here. On I, mean, I, I know, but I'm, but you're there and it's I'm asking a question to, to which I know the answer. But that's sometimes what we oh, do okay. in the podcast okay, no. business. I didn't know that. Um, it seems that there is a robust English speaking comedy scene here. It seems that even the very famous Israeli comedians are very eager to do time in English, much like perhaps you, Dan, are always eager to do time in French. Uh, actually, I stopped doing comedy in French because it made me sick <laughs> to my stomach with anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> but I might, I might do it. I might go to Montreal and 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 um, and and record a set because I haven't done it in a while. And um, I, you know, I might do that. But um, that would be great. Yeah, you know, I've done it before, but it, I it's been a few years because really, truly, I'm so anxious before a set. I'm anxious before a set in English, so one can imagine. Do you have to right. immerse yourself in the language for like well, a set amount of time before you do that? I, I've sort of self immersed to maintain my level of French, I've been maintaining it now for many years mm-hmm. by reading in French, by watching uh, TV. If there's a audio track in French for a Netflix a movie or a spe- like I watched Squid Games in French, for example. Um, they had a French did? audio. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, uh, you know, so so I as much as possible. And if I meet and if I meet a French person and they're willing to talk to me in French, because oftentimes they're trying to practice their English, then I will do that. So I'm always. Uh, you know, trying to maintain my my level of French. It's not native level by any means. You know what um, I'm going to do when I come back? Nope. I'm going to find a nice French girl who's cute, and yeah. then she's going to be psyched to chat with you. Uh, okay, fine. I won't. Uh, I won't protest that. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll bet you won't. Is that your type? Would you if you well, were, if you I, had if, your if, druthers? If, 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 well, I, it's just an added bonus. I mean, if they can speak French, why not? Uh, you know, uh, like they say, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as a poor man. It's just as easy to fall in love with a French speaker as a non-French speaker. I don't so know why might... that never occurred to me. You obviously need a French girlfriend. Well, it's an added bonus. Just, I feel like that would keep. It's, it's an added bonus to uh, to assuming that they wanted to speak to me in. French, because like I said, I have a terrible problem with French people that want to speak English because they <laughs> want to improve their English. So it becomes a sort of a battle. And and at some point you have to say, look, I mean, you're nice and all, but if we're not going to speak French, then, you know, then we got to just well, uh, go our only separate ways you, here. 
only you could take the prospect of like having like a hot French girlfriend and like her not wanting to talk to you in French becomes like. Well, it's a big issue, as any language learner knows. Uh, and any, and we're going to have a language uh, learning expert on next week, I believe. And I look forward not to that. And, and we're going to talk about all about language acquisition. So then best case scenario is a woman that is from here that is also trying to keep up her French. If she's from here, that means she's not a native French speaker. And that doesn't do me a whole lot of good. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe from the I don't know. Never mind. I just got myself dizzy. No, we need somebody who doesn't speak English at all. I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or who doesn't speak at all. Even oh, well, better, that doesn't yeah. do me any good in terms of uh, my listening comprehension. Um, <laughs> so I'll be doing I mean, it's I think the crowd ostensibly speaks some Hebrew, too. So I'll be doing it part in English, part in Hebrew. Wow. It's like Spanish, but well, and post it on social media because that's all that could be something interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I get to have like a pretty interesting perspective. But comics from other countries do think that English is. The only language in which to do comedy, like, you know, in France, there's like our friend Gad who came here. Mm -hmm. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. And he thought that, well, I'm a star in France, but unless I do comedy in English, I haven't really hit the pinnacle. So. That's not uncommon. You're saying about Israeli comics. I want to do comedy in English. It's perceived as the language of comedy. Yeah. Well, we invented it, right? Uh, yeah, I believe that's that is something we invented that and the musical comedy and the uh, music, you know, the Broadway musical. Those are American inventions. No kidding. And Laffy Taffy. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I think so. I think we actually can kind of in, like opera is a European art form, but I believe the, the musical, the Broadway musical style, I believe is an American thing. I was talking about Laffy Taffy. Oh, I, I just threw that in there. I'm assuming that sounds oh. just sounds very American. Um, so, you know I, that they have all sorts of edibles now that look exactly like Laffy Taffy's or Tootsie Rolls or things of that nature. Tootsie Rolls I never got into. That's to me, other than being brown, it has nothing to do with chocolate. And I don't know what the hell it is. You don't think, oh, man, I guess it's like it's not exactly chocolate. I think it was originally like a chocolate substitute during during the war when they were rationing chocolate. (laughs) I I think so. I I think I read that somewhere. And I mean, you talk about, um, you know, a swing and a miss. And somehow that awful candy is still around. Can I I give you an underrated chocolate chewable candy? Rolos. Oh, I like. I don't know that. Oh, that's I feel. Like, I feel like they're not properly rated. You never hear somebody yeah, bust out Rolos. Yeah, you're right. And David Tell doesn't talk about it on stage. <laughs> that's how you know it's underrated. Because that would be something that'd be right up his alley. How'd you like a Rolo? <laughs> you know, that's it's just a word that he would. If were it more in the public consciousness, it would yeah. be a word that I would think he would use. Well, um, maybe I, you should get him a pack of Rolos, and you might. But I just don't think he perceives it as sufficiently well known. Well, it's to, our to job bring I'd like Jolly Ranchers is, is, is something he very much uh, discusses. That's a punchline of his in more than one joke. Well, then it's our job to build the buzz of Rolos. And I was at monkey pox is something that I'm sure he's must have integrated into his act. I assume. I Why don't we talk about that? Talk about what monkey pox? Yeah. Well, before we get to monkey pox, I don't have too much to say, but I do want to talk about um, something that was um Affected me more than I would have would have a guest. And I think that's true for a lot of people. That is the death of Olivia Newton, John. Who uh, R.I.P. Sandy. Pardon? I said R.I.P. Sandy. Yes. Sandy Olson from the movie Grease. That is correct. Yeah. Michael. Um, Sandra D. 
No, not Sandra D. Sandra D. She was Sandy. Sandra, Sandra D. Look at me. I'm Sandra. I D. know. But that's because they were they were. Uh, oh, was that Sandra D is like somebody else. And they were like comparing her. Oh, to Sandra so D. I Sandra think. D was a virtuous woman who was a prude. And they were. Yeah, I think so. Or Sandra that. D was like some 50s uh, icon or something known for period. I'm not so sure about that, but I've been misinforming people for years. Well, that's OK. I mean, I'm sure you're misinforming people about other things, too. Yeah, a lot. But uh, <laughs> Olivia Newton-John, age of 73, which if I were 20, I would have said, well, she had a good run. But uh, being a bit north of 20, it seems almost young to me, to be honest with you. I think Gnome's father was the same age, actually, when he died. Yeah. Um, uh, the cancer would not leave this poor woman alone. 30 years, right? She she got it in 1992. Oh my God. And then I think she was in remission and then it came back. And then I don't know if there was a, a remission or a partial remission. And then it came back again a couple of years ago and, and uh, in, a, in a far more uh, severe form, I think. Yeah. But um, the, uh, and that's what ultimately got her. But um, I, I feel very uh, saddened about it. I think uh, I, I think it, it it's um, affected people more than, like I said, I would have imagined, especially for a woman that really hasn't been really in the public eye for a long time. Greece was nice. Why, why are you so upset about this? Well, I'm, it's, look, I'm not it's not like I'm, I'm just completely bereft. I mean, I, I mean, I'm functioning. Um, right. It's just it's, <laughs> I, I find it very of all the celebrity deaths and, you know, whether it's uh, Prince or uh, Bowie or who, whoever we've had over the years, over the past, Neil Pert. I don't know. I'm just coming up with Neil Pert. Well, I'm just trying to just can't, came to mind. You know, yeah, yeah, I get the, the, the celebrities that have died out of you know over the past few years. This one uh, was the most upsetting. Why? Well, I think it's because of a few reasons. Uh, number one, it's um, she just seemed like a really decent woman. Uh, and by all accounts and by all evidence was just as nice as her character in the movie Grease. Okay. I never saw the movie Grease, but I mean, that's just seems like an insane thing to say. Why is it insane? What's insane to say? (laughs) Well, I I mean, I don't know. I'm sure David Bowie was really nice also. (laughs) I'm sure he was. Uh, And by all accounts was a good man. Um, But the sweetness of a first of all, she's a woman, and I think that the <laughs> natural protective instinct of a man yeah. it takes hold. Oh, I, like to, I like to see him get picked off. And uh, well, <laughs> once again, uh, Mike's huge mistake available <laughs> on YouTube. Um, she just like a, there's something about a sweet woman. I think that's going to tug the heartstrings a little bit more than David Bowie would. Not that the, the loss of David Bowie wasn't tragic and sad. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you but, why? It but hit she me seems hard? like a mommy. You know, she seems like uh, mommy. Yeah, I don't. She know. weirdly enough, she looks. My mother and her have very similar features. They kind of look alike. Your mother was that a track? Is that a track? My mom's a dime, dude. You'd oh. love her. Um, but yeah, they kind of look alike, and uh, that made threw me into an existential, you know, vortex of considering my mother's mortality. So that's more or less wow. why I got really sad about it. I wasn't even sad about Olivia Newton-John. I was more sad about my mom, who kind of looks like her. Well, perhaps, wow. I'm, perhaps I'm sad about just mortality in general. But but um, right. I have these, these are, you know, when, when somebody dies and they're and they're older than you. But like it's not they're not ridiculously old. That obviously reminds us all of of the minefield that we're 
walking through in life, you know, and, but, but, um, and also, yeah, Greece was a movie that, you know, was a big part of my childhood and a very, you know, uh, iconic. Right. So and, this literally has nothing to do with her. It's does it ever, does it ever really, you know, somebody <laughs> dies, it's, it's always about you. Yeah. But, but, um, no, but she also see, no, I, I did, I do feel a certain sympathy because she just seemed like a great, lady and because as i said this cancer just would not leave her alone for the past 30 years of her life it was stalking her at every turn and was it well it was there <laughs> it was there it was it came back twice and i assume it was she probably had to get tested all the time you know even when she was in remission it's part of your life and it's there and you know i i don't know this for sure I like this side of you, Dan. I like seeing how much of a soft spot you have for uh, Olivia Newton-John. This has nothing to do with Olivia Newton-John. No, it has to do with uh, Olivia Newton-John and other things as well. Imagine if she spoke French, you'd be beside you. Well, well, I don't know that she didn't speak French. (laughs) She probably didn't because Australians, like Americans, usually don't speak anything other than English, as per the joke in my act. (laughs) That is true. Um, That's a good joke. Thank you. You're a good comedian, man. Thank you. Uh, uh, Nicole, do you have any thoughts about Olivia Newton-John? You're very, you're much younger than than uh, than I am, but um, and I don't know that you know Greece. Yeah, I don't have like a deep personal connection to it. My mom was very obsessed with Greece, so it was my personal mission to never watch it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't really feel a personal connection other than like the cancer. Like you mentioned, I've lost people to cancer, so it's really tough to hear she struggled for so long. That's very sweet. Thank you, um, Nicole. That was well put. <laughs> Do you know who would be my Olivia Newton-John? I think Kate Winslet. I think that would be my... If she went. If she oh. went, because listen, I don't have an everyday love connection with Kate Winslet, mm-hmm. but she's somebody who has left an indelible impression in my life through one major movie, Titanic. Yeah. That's a big movie in my life. But then also, you know, several other things outside of that. And I feel like she is kept in my consciousness. So that would be a hurt. That would, that would, that would ruffle me, you know? What, what has she done besides Titanic of note? I know she's I know she's done a lot of stuff. Revolutionary just... Road made me and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, get into a near relationship ending fight on the sidewalk after seeing that movie. It is like the absolute perfect showcase for a dysfunctional couple, a couple that should not be together. And it will drive anybody to fight. I didn't see the movie, so I can't. It's good. Oh, about. man, it really closes with a harsh homemade abortion too but otherwise wow yeah yeah really good movie well maybe i'll have to check it out uh does <laughs> it is it available in french i believe so we oui. you know when i when i well, on netflix i i look at the audio track and i most movies are available in spanish a relatively small number are available in french so it's nice to well, find it is. Why, why don't you i i mean maybe you have maybe you're a maybe you're i can watch it in english as well but why don't you just watch French films? Because they suck. No, they don't. Oh, they're, they're awful and boring. What about yeah. Audrey Tattoo or what? And and don't recommend Call My Agent either. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something. I don't know what that that's is. A, that's a series in a French series uh, on Netflix that actually I, Todd Barry t- likes it, and a couple of people tell me how much they like it. I I didn't really like it at all. I'm 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 exaggerating in terms of my antipathy for it, but but I don't I don't really like it that much. You know what it sounds like, though? It sounds like there's a market open for a good French show. And it sounds like a writer of of your standards. 
could make that happen. Well, maybe the French like the shows that they have. I just don't. Yeah. And I don't think there's a market for people that are that are French, you know, speakers of French as a second language to to practice. I'm not going to make a movie just for them. <laughs> now, do you like are you, are you a big fan of France? I mean, have you spent a lot eh, of time in Paris? Eh, eh. Yeah, I've spent time in Paris. Um, also, the Paris Hotel is where I, I uh, did America's Got Talent. But aside from that, um, <laughs> yes, I've been to Paris a few times. I don't love it. it smells weird. No, it's no, weird. It doesn't. It's not weird. Isn't that weird? You, you did America's Got Talent in the Paris Hotel. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that that's actually interesting. <laughs> I mean, that feels like the universe talking. Right. For yeah, for sure. But first of all, you live in a fucking cesspool of New York City. Paris or maybe I'm just used to so it. I just, no, Paris is the, be- the architecture is beautiful. I just I don't love France. There's nothing. I you know people make that mistake all the time. They call me a francophile, uh, yeah. but I not know. I, I just think it's cool to speak a second language. And I had well, a why do you pick French? Because I have bad memories of Spanish because of Mrs. Cahill. <laughs> In high, in high school and um, you know and this no, I, Cahill. was that your Spanish that teacher? Was my, that was my junior year Spanish teacher and why do you have bad memories of her? Uh, she, you know I, no, I didn't like I, first, in high school I, I didn't have any uh, interest in foreign languages and that interest came in later life so I was I hated it I hated just I hated uh, the class Okay. Because I probably would have hated any class. I don't mean to dump on Mrs. Cahill. I just thought it was funny. Well, she's she's there, probably but... with Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> yeah, she no, she was very that. young by, at that time. She was, a, yeah, she was in her 20s, I think, at the time. So uh, she was a young teacher. But, um, yeah, so, so um, and I have some family connection to French because my parents are Montrealers. They're not French speakers, but they're born and raised in Montreal. So uh, I do have some childhood memories of seeing signs in French. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's like being a Notre Dame fan because you're Irish. I get it. You know, there was I some connection. It. Now, that you, so the question is, why didn't you take French in high school? Because everyone said Spanish was easy. Right. And it's not, by the way, I think it's no. probably harder. It's probably harder. And it's it's certainly no easier. I I also took French all through high school. So I'm with you. You're saying I took German. Well, that's, that's, that's harder than did, yeah. That is harder than both Spanish, but I know by quite I think quite a bit. I cheated my entire way through it because I I was an idiot. Where I again was faced with the same decision: what do you choose? And we had one of those like in fifth grade, we had to choose what we would take from middle school. So they would present the languages, and Spanish class did their presentation, French did their presentation, and then German. They had like three kids in the class. They're a failing, you know, a failing part of the educational thing. So they had to get some kids in. And so they took out like puppets. They did this entire show and I fell hook, line and sinker and immediately signed up. And I don't remember shit. Yeah, it's much harder. And can you, you can't speak German. Very, uh, very, very minimally. I can say the uh, gates means like what's up or how are you uh mir uh, gut that means i'm good spielst uh, fußball means do you play soccer uh aua meine nasen tut mir weh that means ow my nose hurts achtung baby <laughs> yeah which means attention baby i think that's right achtung attention probably uh schutzstaffel 
What's that? Short that's stop? the SS. Oh, <laughs> I thought I mean, that was... that's protective guard in German is the Schutstaffel, and that's what the SS is. You get there. Entschuldigung, bitte, gnädigen Frau. Oh, entschuldigung. Wow, that's what you're, is that? you're probably the best German speaker here. That was good. I just have a good accent. It's, unless um, unless Nicole is hiding some something, you know. She might be. Um, excuse me, please, my good lady. Nice. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. It's uh, funny because anytime there's a German audience member, I'll throw out like the gates or something like that. And mm-hmm. so few people know German as just even like a passive language that they are immediately like fans forever. They're, they they love it. It's a me. It's awesome. Yeah, Germans like we all know a little bit of Spanish and maybe a little bit of French. And other than other than uh, Scheidenfrude, we don't know much German. It's a horrible sounding language. Well, I don't think necessarily so. I think it can depend. Nicole, by the way, you find this this discussion engaging? I do. Do you really? The only German that I ever learned was Hundscheist. What's that? Dog shit. Nice. <laughs> I think, unless that's just a total lie. I mean, I sounds took, right. I took sounds it in right. middle school, so I learned Dubish full as well, and that means you are gay. Well, if this conversation <laughs> Dubish full, yeah. full is gay. Schwul. Schwul, okay. So I think it's a S C H W U with an umlaut L. Without the umlaut, probably means something else. Probably. Might, yeah. might, it's might umlaut. Umlaut or umlaut? Umlaut are the two, umlaut. two dots. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, but is it umlaut or umlaut? I think it's got a T at the end. With a T. Yeah. If you're enjoying this discussion, join us next time for the next week. We have uh, a, a, a an expert in language acquisition. Now that's a guess. No more. She's not on the next week. Well, what she's saying she on? that. Well, whenever she's on. Okay. The point is, it's coming. It's coming. Right. It's coming. Um. Yeah. Um, I, uh, any thoughts on, how the come you didn't, yeah, how come you didn't, you didn't, you never, you didn't even check in on me when we were in the middle of a, of a war. I thought I would at least get like a fucking, well, WhatsApp look, let's face it. How many casualties were there on among Israelis? How many? I don't know, but well, you, I, I mean, think you'll find that there were zero. No, that's not true. There were people in the South that were killed, number one. And that's not the point. You don't just need to check on me to see if I'm alive. Look, you're being inconsistent. <laughs> but you have a better chance of dying crossing the street in New York City. And I don't check on you in on, in on you when you're here. First of all, I mean, if we're going to look at the statistics, it's like these people on Facebook that check in safe <laughs> from fucking some some something that, you know, there was a car accident in L.A. and I'm checking in safe. <laughs> Uh, Motherfucker, I know you're safe. <laughs> I also don't care. Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> that is another thing. You could just text your parents. But you, you know, if you're if you, you have a better chance of of if you're over fifty, you have a better chance of dying of a heart attack. Yeah, but you're not checking in safe from that. No. Um, that, that's sort of what what I'm getting at here is that I knew you were okay. I was freaking out. I was not okay. Is my and point. if you weren't okay, I'd assume I'd have heard news. Well, I'm telling you, I was not. Okay. I would have heard something like, hey, Perry, I can't make it for the next uh, every podcast. It was terrifying. I'm not kidding. It's really fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you are safe. Thank you. And you look good. Thank you. You look great. Any thoughts on the breakup? Bringing things back to the comedy world and. I don't know if anybody has any thoughts about this, but apparently Pete Davidson, Kim Kardashian, no longer a couple. I can't believe it. 
apparently their schedules were I don't know exactly um, what happened, but they're they have broken up. Um, I like the idea of covering pop culture on the podcast. And um, I would say that the most sort of compelling, first of all, the, I read that um, Kanye West put on his Instagram that Pete, that Pete Davidson was, or Skeet Davidson or whatever the hell he calls him, was dead at age 28. And Kim Kardashian became incensed. Um, because I mean, Kanye was really like her, like yeah, Kanye's a, a wacky dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I read that Pete had to get like said he went went into therapy or something for. He probably did. He was like totally fucking harassing them. It was insane. Nobody should be able to behave like that. It's like grow up. It was horrible. I mean, I don't know Kim or Pete personally, but it seems like a completely. You know, I think we've discussed this before. What is what it what does Pete have that makes so many women go crazy? A huge thick dick. Well, probably yes. That is most of it, I think. But, but how much well, so he, how important is that? He he's young, he's funny, he he is cool. He's very cool in the way he presents himself. He just has a he just has a thing that uh, I think women are attracted to. Kind of a uh, you know a sh- nonchalantness that, that kind of like that character that he like. does on SNL. That what's his name, Chad or something? Or I think so. Yeah, that guy goes okay, okay. You know that character? Yeah, I think less the less is more sort of thing. You know, and people, women especially, love broken people. They love to try to fix things, and they uh, despite you know whatever he's got going on, they'll always try to put that person together. And I suppose once he got. Ariana Grande or whoever he's immediately jumped levels. He jumped so many levels. He's going to need trauma therapy to try to get back with a normal person. Well, I don't know that he's going to be getting back with a normal person. (laughs) No, I think he's going to continue doing what he's doing. Nicole, do you have any thoughts on that? And again, I know, Nicole, I hate to press upon you because I know you prefer to be quiet behind your screens. But you're a young woman, single or not single, but not married. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Pete Davidson? What his appeal might be? Um, I think like completely what Mike said is correct. Um, but it's you know <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> you don't like I, big dicks? Uh, yeah, for sure. The rest <laughs> of it, not really. But he is a sweet person. It's just like you know, I think it's just like the hot girl seal of approval. And mm-hmm. now everybody. Now once he's got Ari, once he got Ariana, then he was sort of approved. And now yeah, everybody, and wants think, to, everybody wants to know what's how do you get Ariana? What's he got? And so I want to. Yes. And I think yeah. that like people think that it's unique to think that he's hot. Yeah. I would also love to just see him like wrist deep in Oprah next. Just and just I wouldn't put it. Pa- I wouldn't stature. put it past him. But yeah. Where Dan, do you go? I think that the answer it, that you're looking for is that. Um, and he should do that. Be, <laughs> what, what, what the what, French call a je ne sais quoi. Right. Okay, but that doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, that I literally means I don't know what. No, it means that like certain a certain something, something that you can't, can't put your finger on. You can't articulate. But I'm trying to put my finger on. But you can't. I mean, there's not like a reason. Like lots of guys have big dicks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you were being serious, Michael. Do you think the big dick is really that important? I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, that doesn't hurt in terms of rumors. Kim got divorced and was immediately like, yeah, I want to get filled up. Who am I going to look to? And then she was (laughs) oh, that's right. That little skinny kid on SNL. He's he's not really that thin. He's pretty 
in pretty good shape. I mean, he's, no, he's, he's in awful shape. He looks like an emaciated like well, he's, he's, I'm he's not his... saying that in a bad way. I'd, I'd fuck him. But I'm just saying <laughs> he's not like jacked. No, but he's 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 in good shape. He's not jacked. He's but he's got he, human tarantula body. He's very long, which I think limbs. I think women like uh, like yeah. a lanky guy. Yeah. And it's certainly better than dad bod. I think that's that's absolutely true. Uh, Although some women really some like women like well. dad bod. Yeah. So they like uh, the, they like to like knead the the stomach like a cat with a soft blanket. Oh, I'll tell you, I, I mean, of all people now, Pete's one of those guys that I knew before. You know, there's several people that I knew before they were anything. Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer, uh, Pete Davidson is one of them. And I'll tell you, uh, he would have been I just of all the people that I would have never predicted. He's at the top of my list of people. I just would. I was really never would have I, like Kevin Hart in I terms never, of being successful, in terms of being where they are, where they are. Yeah. Now, um, I saw that coming. You know, you, the truth is you can't really predict any of. Them. Yeah. But I, I, I don't I don't believe you can predict it. Noam always says he, he saw John Stewart and he knew mm. that John. I said, no, you didn't know. You didn't know that I, I, you didn't know. Maybe you thought and you probably thought that about 10 other people that you forgot of, that didn't go anywhere. I, I don't think there's it's I think very few people are predictable. But I say like, of those that did succeed, I, I of the, the people I, if I had to make a list of who's the most likely a Pete would have not have been very high on that list. He would have made mine. I started with Pete. So I kind of yeah. saw the early trajectory and people being interested in him from yeah. a young age. Also, his story, as tragic yes. as it is, is a perfectly packageable story to sell. It's 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 the most New York story of yeah, all time. Agreed. So it makes sense that he's on the most New York comedy show and has since That's risen to fame because he's the face of a generation too. Which you can yeah. predict. You brought this up. You said people were interested in him, and that's yeah. something that you can that you can see that that you can see. You if people you know there's certain comics that very quickly attract interest. From, I'll tell you something, and and that you can see, and that was the case with John Stewart. That was the case with Zach Galifianakis, Che too. Che, yeah, people really love. As che. far as yep. just somebody that's so funny that they're going to make it, I just think there's a lot of very funny people, and some of them, right? Hit, some of them it's, don't. It's it's not just funny. I think that what Mike's saying is really true. Um, there's a real vulnerability about Pete um, that I think is very compelling. You know, his, his so not, not just not just to women, but to to. Yeah, in general, as, as I an think, artist, as a yes. this is and the generation of sad boys and Pete's a public sad boy. So it helps it, to have somebody of his prominence out there talking about being sad. People relate to that. And also his struggles with mental illness. He's been so open about those. I think yeah. that, you know, it's I, I think it's a lot of things. And I think what you're saying about New York is so. Super true. But also, also. Uh, what he got on SNL. Now, a lot of people get on SNL and, and, and you don't hear from them. Yeah. Um, but Pete got on SNL and in part because I think of his relationships with women, he became sure famous, not just for what he did, was doing on SNL, but because he was he dated Ariana. So all that contributed. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helped out. That's for sure. Well, dating Ariana, I think, pushed him into like just like the stratosphere of fame. Right. Yeah, it must be a little bit weird from a comedian's perspective. And granted, I don't know how much he's performing or touring, but to be famous for obviously he's on SNL, that's a certain level of fame. But then he gets elevated by Ariana and Kim Kardashian. So uh, technically, some of their fans, a lot of their fans are then going to come and see him live. So he basically has to perform for like 
14 year old girls sometimes well, is that what happened i mean is that what happened when he went on the road i, I don't know but that, that's what i'm that's what i'm yeah i wonder you know yeah. I, I don't know um but i think you're quite right as to where does he go from here and the answer is oprah i believe you're correct yeah or Michelle well, Obama. I was just going to say Michelle Obama. Obama's. And, 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 and Barack like finds him in bed together. That would be the best. <laughs> and then Barack starts coming at him like Kanye style. <laughs> Barack is just disheveled, ripping cigs, just furious. <laughs> Barack is tweeting about <laughs> Pete. Um, yeah, that, that oh. would take it to another level. But um, I mean, Kanye West wrote a song about him. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it kind of feels hard to comprehend what that must feel like, because it feels like such a ridiculous joke from the outside. But I'm assuming having that much attention on you and all that negative light and certainly fans of Kanye coming after you in probably pretty violent verbal ways. uh, That's got to be real weird, but it is objectively funny from the outside. Social media bullying is obviously a thing, and it's obviously... Yeah, it's horrible. You know, a horrible Kanye's thing. So aggressive, too. Especially when your fans, if if Kanye's fans are coming at Pete as well, then it can sure. become overwhelming. And I bet that's, that's, what that's what's happening. I bet he gets. But I think back. I would imagine his fans know that he's like they got to even know that Kanye's out of line here. No, I mean, you know, everybody has uh, some pretty intense fans. You know, it depends. And Kanye has a lot of fans. So that means more of them are are probably mentally unwell people that are willing to do his bidding. There's you know, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, Dave Chappelle even got on stage at the cellar and was just like, I told Kanye to, you know, what, what and or somebody spoke to Kanye about like chilling out or something. And he was like. There was nothing I could do. You know, he's going to yeah. stop when he's going to stop. <laughs> um, That's so weird. That's it's gotta fucking be so crazy. Weird. <laughs> it's like, dude, you have four kids at home. Like, what are you doing? I mean, he he's when he goes home, he doesn't see any of those kids. He's on a ranch in Wyoming. He's like, he's seen his kids like four times. He forgets their names. Oh, I hope not. Uh, speaking of kids. I mean, it's as good a segue as I'm going to come up with. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Mike Cannon, in his intro, said that one of his most important roles is that of a father. Yeah, I got one kid, one three-year-old son. Uh, what's his name? Crew. He was named after a 1986 BMX biking movie, Rad. Oh, okay, there's a movie that not a whole lot of people saw. <laughs> no, I bet not. But the people that have seen it, will remember that I like it forever. Like, it is a communal thing. If you like that movie, it's a very tight-knit group of people. It's like a cult thing. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and and you're a young guy. Now... I'm 37. I guess it's not that young, but it, it no. seems young. Yeah. But so you had the baby at, at 34. I mean, right. and how long have you been married? Um, That's a great question. Um, 2016, I think. So six years. It'll be six years. And I mean, I asked the same question. We had Mike Feeney on and he's yeah. like, you know, he's young, a little bit younger than you, but in that area. And he's yeah. married. And we we asked him why did he you know, a lot of comics, I suppose they feel like, well, if they ever get famous, then they're going to there's going to be a festival of vagina. Oh, sure. I've had my festival. And, and so you're saying you've already real, had your fest. It was a real fire fest. But uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely, you know, I've, I've had my fun and uh who knows if I get famous, maybe my wife and I'll work out something open. But in the meantime, it uh, it seems like she's the only person I would marry. I'm an anti-marriage guy deep down. I think the institution itself is limiting and dog shit. But um, for the most part, she is the only person that I would I would uh, 
not for the most part, for the all part. She's the only person that I would make that commitment for. Where'd you meet her? Uh, I met her on the blacktop where we lined up to get on our the bus when we were 10 years old. Yeah, on the blacktop right. of our say... elementary school. Yeah, oh blacktop's a word that I haven't used probably since elementary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sort of like a kid word, isn't it? I think so. Is but it's also, that... I mean, maybe if you, yeah, you don't see many blacktop basketball courts anymore. They're all made out of almost like the tennis court. But I would call it asphalt nowadays. Yeah. But I remember as a kid, I remember using the term blacktop. Now, so yeah. either that was a, a term that's fallen out of fashion or it's a term that, that is mostly associated with like childhood. It might be. Yeah, I guess so. I don't. What is wrong with you? Who gives a shit? He's known his wife since he was 10. That's hey, hey, so hey. amazing. Some of us are interested in words and the origin of language <laughs> and the evolution of language. OK, Fun. as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And they find this interesting. And if you don't, that's fine. You can just sit back and, and you can just sit back and be quiet. <laughs> At this point in my life, when I was 10 years old and I met my wife, I believe I owned a pair of British Knight blacktop sneakers. Weirdly enough, just that was the name of the, of of the, the sneaker. It was like yeah, British Knights blacktop. Did you uh, as a child, did you hear the term blacktop ever, uh, Nicole? Um, yeah, definitely. And in adulthood, do you still use it? No, I haven't heard. So it might be years. a kid's term. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you met her on the blacktop. Sure did. She was wearing a Charlotte's Hornet starter jacket. This was in what part of the country? Uh, Rockland County, New York, right outside the city. So you know her as a as a as a as a child. Yeah. And then we then. So I met her in fifth grade. We, quote unquote, dated. We were a couple you in know, fifth in, grade in elementary school, meaning we hugged and said hello to each other. There was no nudity eye contact. No nudity, not yet. And uh, then sixth grade, she actually moved into the house next door to me. And we lived next door to each other Ah. Yeah, for a long time. This is some Jane Austen shit. Yeah. I love this story so much. We've each dated other people, so it's not psychotic. When when was when did you first really start dating? So we I mean, our longest tenure date, we dated, dated, you know, and in middle school, like like we kissed in seventh grade and we dated for like eight months of the school year. And then we dated again in eighth grade, dated again in ninth and tenth. We had sex in tenth grade. So I suppose that's when things that's got to be really bizarre to have sex with someone you knew as it would you say eight eight years old? I can still freshly remember her 15 year old vagina. Oh, my God, (laughs) I'll be done, but we're not going to get into that. Um, I mean, it's my memory. Yeah. And you're entitled to it. Yeah, that's right. It's also my child dick. Yeah. But but you're not entitled to be turned on by. It. No, I didn't tell I didn't say if I was. And to and to jerk off to that memory, that would be now. I mean, any time it passes in my head, I kick it out. And that say, is not today. But I that is just morals. but you met it with how old did you say eight? Ten. And that is just really, really weird. I don't think I've ever heard of such a thing. Yeah. To be married to somebody you knew. We're lucky. She's cool as shit, man. We really get along still. We uh, we have sex a lot still, which is great. And uh, we we're good parents together. We're a good team. We also part of why we got along so well growing up. She's a really excellent basketball player and I was a good basketball player growing up. So her, myself and my friend Timmy, we would we lived in like basically a three house triangle and we would hang out every single day and we would hoop hard and we beat the shit out of her on the basketball court and really made her work for it. And she was awesome in high school because of it i'm gonna take credit 
Oh, that's an interesting story. Does it, do you bring that to the stage at all? There's no. got to be some jokes in there. I mean, I've I've had like I, I, my first hour is a lot of like about how we met and stuff like that. And then it's since progressed. And I talk about the current stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty wild. I'd imagine there's got to be some jokes in 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 the fact that you are married to a woman you knew and as a 10 that you dated in fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have a new one. I watched the movie Titanic on mushrooms. And it uh, it reminded me that that was like my first date with my wife is going to see the movie Titanic in the movie theater. And that was 1997. I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. That's why Kate Winslet means a lot to me. So by prop. Wow. Yeah. That recall was impressive too, Dan, that you knew the 1997. I think, well, I could be wrong, but um, I think you're right. I, I think I'm correct. I'm good with yeah. dates. Yeah. And also Top what? Gun Maverick just unseated Titanic as the seventh largest grossing domestic movie ever. Wow. And what? I think I think deservedly so. I that was a lot of fun. It was awesome. I mean, not, Titanic was good. You know, the thing about Titanic is I thought the, the, the story of Titanic is such an incredible story anyway that, you know, once they start fictionalizing it, it, it got a little it, Seemed to be a little cheesy to me. I mean, I guess Maverick is cheesy, but you expect that. But Titanic is such an unbelievable story. Yeah, I really like Billy Zane, though, man. His performance in that movie like breathes life into me. I wish I could be that rich, pompous, and just as big of a douche as he was. It, it feels free. It looks freeing, you know. Well, he was a good character. Yeah, you know? yeah, and he's not. He's done. Uh, he was not sympathetic. But not was, much since then either. He's, no, he's yeah, he did what he had to do, movie. and he would, he's like, all right, I've made my point. Yeah, yeah. One, there was one particular um, scene where if I had a gun, I might have shot the screen where <laughs> where the the preacher or whatever he is, he's saying, though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and DiCaprio says, hey, can you walk a little faster through that valley of the shadow of death? Remember that? Yeah, I do. And it's like, come on, man. You didn't like that? No, I was stupid. You thought he was disrespecting. I thought it was just ridiculous. I thought they probably paid a guy a hundred grand, like some some script doctor to punch that. Probably, (laughs) you know, he's probably punched it up. They paid him. It's like we need we need some laughs in here. Yeah. You know, there's not there's no laughs in this thing. So they 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 just seem ridiculous. And and, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was silly. (laughs) But again, there's a lot of silliness to that. Again, the, the, the Titanic story is such an incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable story. That it just it's almost like you can't outdo the actual story. Yeah. You're trying to improve upon what's already like the greatest story ever. It's also weird that they spend about three hours forcing you to empathize with this woman in Rose. And then the last hour basic or not the last hour, but the last bit kind of like makes her wholly unlikable. Like as her older self, she is the worst version, worst human being of all time. She dies on the ship before she does. So she throws a priceless jewelry into the ocean. Her fucking daughter's on the ship with her. She could have easily like enjoyed that financial windfall. She dies on the ship next to pictures and also only her. The pictures are. Yeah, Didn't she have another husband? Yeah. Yeah. So so she completely forgot about him precisely. And then she met up with Leo in heaven. And met up with Leo in heaven and the husband's yeah. in heaven. Like, hey, what, what the fuck? Yeah, where's my where's my lady? You know, um, yeah. So I agree with that. Yeah. You know, um, also some of the, the lines that are real, like um, when Guggenheim says we're, we're that gets into a tuxedo to go down with the ship and says we're dressed. We're prepared to go down like gentlemen. I knew that line anyway, because that's like a very famous line that he had. And somehow in the movie, it didn't in my head. It was already like so much better. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just again, when they when you're trying to recreate something that's 
kind of mythic. Uh, it, 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 it would be like having um, a scene where Lincoln is doing the Gettysburg Address, which I don't know that he did in the movie Lincoln. What did I've he never have seen it? it? No, I'm not sure if he did. But it's like it's it's hard to it wouldn't outdo what's in my head of Lincoln doing. Anyway, you get the idea. <laughs> I, or maybe you don't get the idea because I didn't explain it well. I thought it was beautifully put. Um, so so. But anyway, Maverick, if Maverick is indeed the number one grossing movie, I say deservedly so. That thing was, that was super so much fun. Was it was it art? Was it cinematic? Yes. Yes, it was. I mean, in terms I don't of like know. stunts by a 60 year old man, has there ever been a more impressive thing? I, I was joking and I'm sure other people have this take. But if there was a Scientology booth outside of my movie theater, You'd I would have I would have been. Yeah, if it's good enough for. Yeah, if it's good enough for Tom, look at him. He... He's I mean, in Mission Impossible, he's leaping off the top of fucking skyscrapers, snapping his leg and then coming back six months later to redo the stunt. The guy is out of his mind, just hyper focused. And I'm just completely on board with his uh, with his issues. Can I voice an unpopular opinion here? Yeah. Well, I cannot. Vote Dan. Huh? I cannot stand Tom Cruise. I can't even look at him. Well, you 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 are entitled to that opinion, but now you have to defend it briefly because we're almost out of time. I mean, I think I think that um, I mean, maybe to present the other side of what Mike is suggesting, I find him so just I I think he's like a psycho. Well, yeah, of course. Yes, yes. But in like that's what Mike was just saying. I know, but not in in, not in a sexy way. I mean, I think the whole Scientology. No one's asking you to be attracted to him. We're asking you to to enjoy the action. No, I think he he's it's like I look at him and I think he's creepy. Like, I think he's like scary. Yeah. Yeah. He has like no soul. Well, I, I don't know if he has a soul or he doesn't. He does have a very steely focus. Like you can't tell if he's actually warm blooded, but I I totally, I totally understand that the, you know, Scientology in and of itself is, uh, you know, they certainly got their blemishes. I won't get into it because my law team is not (laughs) strong, but uh, yeah. Otherwise I just like the movies he makes. But, 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 but that movie was such a good time. So much fun. Uh, I didn't see it. That's an American movie. That's the kind of movies. We make in this country, right? Nondescript enemy. Just crazy. <laughs> yeah, the enemy didn't know who it was. They had, a, they had somehow a fucking desert and snow yeah, in the same right. country. Pretty cool. But um, yeah. I have, by the way, I watched Boogie Nights again recently on Netflix. I've uh, only seen the last scene. Just kidding. Oh yeah, that right. Um, <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Boogie Nights? I haven't seen that. I'll watch it. It's the best. It's got the best. It's got my top three. I don't know which one is one, two or three, but it's got a top three cocaine scene in a movie for me. And that's when they go to rob the dude with the open. Oh, oh, that's amazing. Oh, you mean uh, Alfred Molina? Yes. And he's throwing the M80s and he's got the little like boy kind of running. I mean, I don't mean to overanalyze it. I don't think they were M80s. I think they were just firecrackers. Firecrackers. I don't think they were M80s, but that would be fair. I don't think anybody would light an M80 in the house. Somebody on a massive amount of. Yeah, maybe he would. But I will say as as somebody who is uh, who has, you know, gotten past that that part of my life, but has done a fair amount of cocaine. 
uh, that one scene where just they settle in on Mark Wahlberg's eyes and hold it on his long ass stare for a solid 90 uninterrupted seconds. That is the most accurate cocaine portrayal I've ever seen in film. Wow. Yeah. Well, my experience with cocaine is far more limited than yours. <laughs> so I can't speak to that directly, but uh, that was obviously a great scene. And um, the actor that played, you know, the guy that got shot, that was like, Thomas no, we're Jane. Yo, that was an amazing he's, he's performance. Awesome. That he's was an absolutely awesome. insane performance. Yeah. Um, and he's done, I guess, other things since. He was in Hung. He did Punisher, which is also kind of, that's kind of an underrated good comic book movie. John Travolta, speaking of Scientology, kind of comes in and shits the bed as the uh, as the villain. But other, other than that, that movie's pretty damn good. Just to just to put a bow on this whole episode, Travolta. Um, oh, and Olivia Newton-John. Oh, look at us. Yeah, Travolta. Um, and by the way, I got nothing bad to say about Travolta. Um, I really like that guy. I think he's he's a good dude. Of course, I don't know that for sure, but um, <laughs> he did had some not, kind words to say about Olivia Newton-John saying uh, that he will. I didn't know they were such good friends, you know, uh, since Greece, but apparently they are or were and said that I'll always be your your uh, your your Danny and your your John or something like that. Danny being his character, of course, in the movie Grease. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll end there, I suppose. Um, once again, my biggest, my huge mistake. Yeah, Mike Cannon's huge mistake out. Uh, that's August 17th, 9 p.m. It starts streaming on YouTube.com slash Mike Cannon Comedy. It will then be up and available forever. And uh, my hour, White Privilege Homeless, that I released this past May is up there. My special before that, My Life Begins, is up there. Everything I got a ton of stuff up on YouTube and uh, we have a podcast on this very network called Here's the Scenario. And I know that you work with Nicole very closely. She's uh, she directed and edited Mike Cannon's huge mistake, the special. She's uh, an insanely talented filmmaker and uh, is going to do huge. Well, I've always said good things about Nicole. I call her the Sultan of the soundboard. I think some words to that effect. The diva of decibels. The diva of decibels. That's what I call it. <laughs> but but apparently sound is not her only game. No, she's also vi- sight. Video is also her thing as well. Uh, as long as we're going to plug my book, uh, Iris Spiro Before COVID, a novel is available on Amazon. And by the way, if you have Kindle, there's free chapters available as a free sample. Periel's books uh, on my knees, as well as the only bush I trust is my own, also available on Amazon. And also free samples, I assume, are available on Kindle, because that's what they do. Periel, we'll see you back in the United States when? Um, September, in the beginning of September. Okay, so uh, it'll be a few weeks. Anyway, stay safe in Israel. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for coming. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Table. Bye-bye. Stay safe, Periel. Bye-bye. Well then, peace.